I think gratitude is super important. As much as we always tend to kind of harp on the scarcity and what we don't have, at the same time, think about like, what do you like about that job? You know, you get a paycheck. What are you learning that can be useful? You may not even be able to see it in that moment, but what are you able to do? It's it's that presence of like, how are you able to be present in this moment? So this teacher that you have, which is this experience, can teach you what you need to know. And then when it's time, you can then go to the next stage. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Hi, guys. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Almost 30 Podcast. We are so grateful that you are here. We are wearing our most ratchet hoodies for you. (laughs) My board hoodie. Did I tell you I... So my hoodie is for 14-year-old boys who still skateboard. And it's tie-dye and it says board on it. And I, I get a lot of compliments on it from interesting people. I got a compliment on it from this girl that was giving me a facial. She's like, I love that hoodie. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. <sighs> I feel bored too. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because I'm not a bored person. So that's what's so... I mean, I don't... It's hilarious because you're never... Never bored. It, or you just like don't let yourself be bored. No. <laughs> It should be like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Who makes that? It's called Teenage is the brand. Cute. Yeah, I got this really dope one from ABC and Advisory Board Crystals. And it's so dope. It has this like, you know, the person that wrote the water book? Yes. Mo- I forget. Osho or not? No, Dr. Uh, I'll look it <laughs> Osho. up. <laughs> oh, Osho. I actually read a really tight Osho quote the other day in my Reiki training. And I was like, damn. Sucks that Osho took a turn <laughs> on Wild Wild Cunch. But anyways, it has a quote about the water from Advisory Board Crystals on it. But I was talking to my sister yesterday. We haven't caught up in a long time. And she's like, oh, I listened. She's like, I listened to the episode about Queendom and the Matrix. Oh. She's like, he sounds like Dane Cook. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking in my head. I, and then I, did you show her I a picture of this like- Yes, this beautiful, beautiful man. man. I was like, okay. And it was cute because she said, she's like, people can deny or not think that, you know, a psychic or a medium or intuitive is real. She's like, but I, you know, your reading couldn't have been more spot on, you know, as your sister, I see that in you all the time. And it was just really funny. It was really sweet, but she felt really inspired and excited by the episode. Um, Cool. Yeah. We're talking about the episode with Shaman Derek that Mm -hmm. we had a few weeks ago about Queendom and the Matrix. And we had really personal readings for Lindsay and I at the end. So it was just sweet to hear that. That's really sweet that she like felt comfortable bringing that up. Oh, of course. I mean, we say whatever. I know. But just like in that way of like, I don't know. 
like in the on the personal yeah. development side, sometimes yeah. like can't really put into words. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sweet. That's what the best about sisters though is it's such a freeing feeling that whatever she's going through, I can just say whatever's on my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, she talked about, you know, not getting personal, but she'll, she'll talk about things at work. She's having a hard time at work. And, you know, she was saying that she had a conversation. I'm trying to think of how to say it. She was having a conversation with her boss and her mm-hmm. boss was talking about a different communication style with a employee, whatever. And my sister said to him, she's like, well, I really like who I am. And I will adjust and I will learn, but I don't want to change who I am. And, you know, I was able to be like, if you did, you wouldn't be in this situation because it's a toxic environment at work. And if you loved yourself as much as you say, you wouldn't be at work. And it's just nice that I can go through the filtering process of thinking something and just say it. And it lands however it does, you know, with a, with a relative, you can kind of, you know, for better or for worse, just say what's on your mind. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I was having a conversation with my brother where I, cause sometimes I'll censor myself cause I'm not sure how he'll react. And I Same. just like said exactly what I wanted to say and how I felt and like what I felt he not needed by what I said, but just like needed Yeah, and he got it. And it wasn't the reaction that I was expecting. It was, it was grounded and chill. And I was like, Okay, yeah, <laughs> cool. Honestly. So I can, I can do this uh, on a regular basis. You know, it's, I think when they hear truth and it comes from a place of support and love, then, and they're ready to receive it, it, it could go over really And when you do the well. filtering in your head of, of it and, and you filter that thought a little bit, you know, take it through one time and you're thinking, okay, why am I saying this? And you're choosing, you know, like in that situation, I was like, I could say this or not and I'm going to choose to say it. And I'm going to say it from an actual place of like, I want you to hear this and I want you to know this. And I, you know, think it's best. And I want someone to say that to me if I was mm-hmm. in that situation. So yeah, I mean, you know, the act of filtering what I've, what I've said has been something that I obviously struggle with, but it's just like a really refreshing thing. And to be honest, I don't really know if I do that with a lot of relationships, especially like Justin. I don't think we mm-hmm. we don't talk like that. And I do see a lot of like, I was talking to um, a friend today and her and her husband have these check-ins. So weekly they will have a 30 minute check-in Well, they will go on a walk or they will have coffee or they will spend half hour, hour together. And during this time they are talking about their relationship. They're talking about how the last week was and they're really having an open dialogue and conversation about, you know, how they're feeling about each other in like a really authentic way. So say something happened the last week, they're saying they can, this is an opportunity for them to bring that up. Like this week, it seems like you've been really stressed. I've been feeling neglected. You know, I just wanted you to know that and and all these things. And it just provides them a really open platform to kind of check in and have that open dialogue and conversation, which is really interesting. I'm obsessed with that. I know. Dude, if I said that <laughs> you to know Justin, me. oh my God. But he'd be like, we do that, but we're watching TV laying down. I'm like, okay. I think there's something for the, for women or like the feminine energy that like you need the undivided attention and no distractions. So no phone, no TV, no drinking, no smoking, no nothing. No, just, just there that like will calm our nervous system for a very long time. It'll hold us over for at least a month. So if you can carve out a half hour, an hour, I mean, shit. I know. (laughs) I know. I would have to maneuver and finagle it in such a way that he didn't know what he was doing. 
So it would have to be yeah. a trick. I think a walk is nice. Yeah. It'd have to be a trick. And I'd have to really think about how I was. Oh my God. <laughs> he, would, he would sniff out. If honestly, if He'd I be said like, whoa, 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 what's happening one here? Thing, if I said one thing, I was like, <laughs> I feel. Hey, I, <laughs> I was like, I'm hey, out. I just want feedback, you know, on how, I, how I've been in the past week. He'd be like, <laughs> He would honestly be so scared, but you know, it was something that I heard and I, that I thought was a really interesting thing to do. And, but think of all the things that you have incorporated into your relationship or introduced to Justin that now, because he's used to it and you guys do it, that like is just normal now. So it's almost like getting over the hump of like him being like, no, yeah, it's, any it's guy. the initial yeah. forcing, the forcing he doesn't like, the yeah. the structure of it he doesn't like, you know, the it, it you know, it's 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 like one of those things when you're really young and you see if your parents sit you down at the table and this is a situation oh, I've totally. been in, you know, where they're like, "Hey, could we have a talk?" and you're like, "Oh, fuck." Literally. And you're and you're running through your head, you're like, "Okay, this is the, I I did this, I did this, I did this," and you're just running through all these things if your boss schedules yeah. a meeting you know, in a week, you're like uh, the whole entire week, you're thinking about that friggin' meeting with your totally. boss. So it's one of those things that I think would be interesting to work on too, is like shifting that, shifting that fear of the confrontation, the fear of that conversation, you know, the fear of being bad or good or being punished or whatever. Cause I definitely have that and have had that experience. So I think he would feel like it was that, you know, if you're getting yeah. feedback, it would be, you know, he'd have to see the value in it too of like, and that would be a practice for me, him being able to come to me and and say something, you know, say this week you've been a a smelly, you've been a smelly piece of shit and (laughs) you haven't showered and you're disgusting, which he would never say. But if he gave me any sort of feedback, whatever, you need to be sweeter, et cetera. You guys know he's all about me being sweet. And I was able to apply it and yeah. make it work. He would be so apt to exactly. do it, but it would have to be, you know. It would have to be like a quick uh, product of the conversation yes. and like show them, or even during the conversation where it's, and I mentioned this before, where it's like, like having the conversation from like a feminine heart centered place where like maybe you're like touching like you know what I mean just like less like this is a conversation about something mm-hmm. serious and I, this is 30 minutes and 100%. it's your percent or it's you know has to be you're like fluid. jerking them off or something percent you're just on your knees just kidding that's just kidding. not us anyways but yeah I thought that was an interesting thing that we were talking about today and I thought that was worth bringing up definitely mm-hmm. definitely a great thing for, for certain couples or, you know, at some point to have, but I think even just scheduling the one-on-one exactly the, the time that you have together, that's uninterrupted, uh, focused without technology, you know, without TVs and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like those little things that couples do married couples, especially when they have kids, it's like essential in order to keep the, I don't know. Julie Rice was talking about that on Tim Ferriss. She was talking about how they have Shabbat Mm-hmm. Just like Sophie Jaffe, yeah, of our friend Sophie and uh, Adi, they have every Friday. You know, is their sacred time with the family, and I would love to yes. instill that at yeah. some point in time. You know, with my family, whether they like it or not, mm-hmm. like a special, <laughs> whether I'm locking them in the house, <laughs> like a special time together that's like sacred, totally. and it's all it's all in the ritual. Yeah. You know, adding those little rituals to your life, the ritual of setting this intentional conversation time, setting this intentional family time, whatever it is, just adding those where you can. I was on the beach the other day doing yoga with a friend and 
like a few feet away was like this family. It's like a family of five. The kids were like teenagers and it was like a family meeting on the beach and like a meeting, but they were just, it was very like casual where the dad was kind of like talking to them about some stuff, you know, and it was like, it wasn't lecture or anything like that. It was just so sweet. And like, you could tell they're at an age where like, they could be like, dad, shut up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it was just... One would take turn, they would talk about it. And I kind of overheard some things about like, yeah, I felt like, you know, just the feelings of it all. Mm -hmm. And it was just so sweet, you know, and like not caring whether like, you know, you reach a point with your family where like they don't want to do it or Mm -hmm. they're giving you, it's just having that always because they're going to look back on that and be like, that was awesome. I know. You know? Who knows? It's probably their normal. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We we think that's awesome. (laughs) You, you are talking about this weeks later and you, I know. you think it's awesome and I think it's I'm awesome. I'm like, this is a highlight of my At life. That, yeah, honestly, <laughs> you like sit down with the family and you're like, uh, so this week I was- I actually sat down with them at the end. Honestly. I said, can I join this? I would want yeah. to. But, and that was something that I was think, I've been thinking about recently since I saw a great post from our friend, Sophie, Sophie Jaffe of um, Ignited Podcast. And uh, she's been on our show and same with her husband, Adi, and their beautiful Jaffe kid family. And I was thankful that she verbalized it because I've often thought about it, but never contextualized it in that way. But she talked about how she's relearning that she as a mother needs to learn from her children rather than... And this is a situation I think you were in, and this is what I was in as a kid where it was parents know everything, kids know nothing. You listen to parents no matter what, which is completely understandable. And that makes perfect sense you know, for someone at that time. But it it's an interesting shift now to kind of think differently about it, that the kids know best and their intuition is able to lead them and guide them into um, an understanding of the world much greater than, than we think. And so she was talking about that, how with her three beautiful kids, she now is relearning to have them teach her and have them be the leaders and the owners of their own life. Mm-hmm. It almost takes like the, I would think it would reduce stress for parents if they actually believed that, you know, instead of thinking like, oh shoot, like, what do I do about this now? What rule do I have to make? What, you know, stipulation do I have to put around this situation? You know, it's like, oh, you can just let go and like, let them lead in a way. Obviously you can provide them resources and opportunities and whatever, but like, how, how nice, you know what I mean? Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. It takes the pressure off of you. Truly. Yeah. Truly. She's at Sophie Jaffe on Instagram. If y'all want to follow, mm-hmm. y'all want to follow. Truly. Oh, we got like such a sweet tag from a member of Mimi Bouchard's community. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So sweet. Yeah. Just we were to on shout that out. Yeah. That was so sweet. We actually get a lot of messages. We've had a lot of listeners um, that have come from her podcast. She is such a, such a doll. It's, she has the Mimi B podcast. It's M-I-M-I-B-E. EE podcast and we were on her show and it was such a fluid interview. I loved the questions that she asked and I just really enjoy like everything that she does. She yeah. has cool events and her area and courses and everything like that. And she's such a, such a babe. Yeah. She, she, her show is like centered around motivation, success, transformation stories, health and fitness, love and relationships, all the things. And yeah, check out her courses, Mimi B courses dot think ific.com but you can just google it mimi bouchard courses and you will find them but yeah i just she's one of those that i'm like she's rocking it doing her thing i know love her love it 
So good. All right. Today on the podcast, we are really excited. She's feels like kind of a a sister from another something. Totally. <laughs> Julie Solomon's yeah. on the podcast. And I get hype when I love we talk her. to Julie. <laughs> I love being around her. She's so good at what she does. And I just, I love when people are professional in this industry. It, yeah, man. it gets me off to be completely honest because in influencer space, in the digital marketing space, and in all these types of spaces, there can be like a lack of professionalism and, and corporate structure, I guess, to things. And she just brings that. She's so smart. She's so warm. She's so thoughtful. And and we loved, loved talking to her. She's done incredible things. And she's such an inspirational story of being in a situation where she didn't really love what she did. And then really figuring out what was the differentiator that she had and applied it to make her own business where she now uses something that made her different as her like selling point and as the thing that makes her her special. So I really think that this story is applicable for all of the women in the community, entrepreneurs or not, um, as she navigated her her journey. Yeah, she's a brand strategist, digital marketing expert, influencer marketing educator, and she's host of a really uh, valuable podcast for a lot of you out there who are entrepreneurs, influence influencers and whatnot. It is the Influencer Podcast. She actually is living in Nashville, which I think is so cool. You know, a lot of people think, I don't know why, that you need to be in a major city to start anything on your own. And I just think she's a really great example of building an incredible business that reaches far and wide from a place that really inspires her. You know, she lived in Manhattan at one point, but it was really overwhelming and wasn't what she wanted long-term. And she wanted to start a family. Going back there just felt right to her. And I love that she followed that. Yeah. And we talked about having a digital presence online. So how to be authentic, how to be yourself. If you're interested in growing your social following, we talked about that. Um, So I'm excited for you guys to listen in on this conversation and excited to announce that we will be doing an event with Julie in Nashville. So we've added another date to our Nashville leg of the tour. So we do have the Thursday event with Dr. Josh Axe of Ancient Nutrition, and that's all on female health, hormone health, hormone balancing. Dr. Axe is an amazing resource. So that event on Thursday is going to be fabulous. And then the additional event that we added is happening on Wednesday, the 18th of September with Julie. And that's going to be at the WeWork in East Nashville. And we have tons of great things for y'all. So excited to see our Nashville family for those two special events. Yes. Cannot wait to meet you. And if you're interested in Julie's podcast and what she's doing, and you want to start a podcast, um, we are relaunching our podcast pro course. So it's like kind of a great supplement to follow Julie. And when we launch, this is going to be a really incredible resource, whether you are just, whether you just have the idea and want to launch a podcast or you have a podcast and want to fine tune the marketing and branding or finally ready to monetize. Yeah. We got you. And of course we're on tour. So please, please go to our website, almost30podcast.com slash tour. We have all of our tour dates and locations, special guests, whatnot listed there. We'd love to meet you. Yeah. We've got two additional events that we just added to the calendar. (laughs) 
You know us. <laughs> you know us. No days off. Uh, we have a special workshop for people that want to start, monetize, or grow their podcast happening at Biz Babes in downtown LA in August. That is a full day workshop. So that is an intensive. So that's a little bit different than what we normally do. And then we also have an extra event happening with our friend, Nicole Lappin. Who's amazing. She's got oh, a man. new book out. She's got a bunch of things happening and that is happening at the Riveter in West LA. So um, for every ticket purchase with that, you're going to get a copy of her new book, Becoming Superwoman, which is really exciting. And we are so glad to be doing something with Nicole Appen. You may know her from Boss Bitch, Rich Bitch, all of those things. We're going to be talking about financial wellness and then some. Yeah, she is. I Her book, Rich Bitch, She's changed the game for me. So we're really excited for that and so many others. So thank you for your support. As always, your reviews mean the world to us. We'll read one on the other side of this episode and yeah, reach out to us on Instagram. We are on Instagram at almost 30 podcast. Yeah. We really appreciate you guys being here and being so supportive of everything we are doing. We will see you on the flip. Love you. Yeah. I'd love to hear about your story. So like before you were the Julie Solomon that you are today, podcasting, helping bloggers and running your own business, like what were you like? What were... It was a disaster. <laughs> and then I woke up one day and started a podcast. And, and you're like, here I am. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I am originally from Nashville, Tennessee. And Where'd you go to school? I went to the University of Tennessee. Cool. Mm, so like cool. Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Moved to New York City two weeks after graduating from college. I had never been there. Did not know anyone. <laughs> did not have a job. <laughs> and I was like, I'm. this is what I'm going to do. So I, I think growing up, obviously, I always had this calling or just this longing to want to, to experience more and to do more and to be more and all of those things. And so I, I went and did it. And I think that it was incredible because it, it changed my life. I mean, just going there, having to kind of figure it out. I mean, even as simple as just, and this was 2007. So this is pre-social media for them. I mean, there was Facebook and MySpace, maybe Twitter, but this was just Google. Like mm. that's how you found stuff. That's how you connected with people. So I got into music publicity when I got there, which was incredible. Cause I, I got to do a lot of fun stuff. I worked for a woman named Carlene Donovan, who's still in that industry. And she is, and, and was at the time, the publicist to like every major music act, Lenny Kravitz, Pink, Maroon 5, et cetera. So I got to do a lot of really amazing stuff. I was 21, 22 in New York City, going to every amazing show, doing tour publicity for all these incredible acts, you know, traveling here to LA to do fun things. I mean, it was really, really cool. I learned a lot in that short time. How'd you meet her? How'd you get the job? So I Googled, um, I just applied. Yeah. Like I was like, I need to get a job. I don't know anyone here. So what I did, I remembered from college that, cause I, I majored in PR and journalism. So we, I think there was a class that we had to like learn how to write a press release. Mm. 
And I remembered that press releases, they always have two things on them. You're like press release, Julie Solomon's moved to New York. Right. <laughs> Tell <Hello>. everyone. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. Um, but I remembered that every press release has a PR contact, right? And then every press release at the top of it has this phrase that says for immediate release. And what that means is that that's the person that's sending out the press release, letting the media know that this piece of information is for immediate release. Sometimes it can say for delayed release or for release on X date or whatever. So I literally Googled for immediate release in parentheses. So that exact phrase would come up. And then I would put like Lenny Kravitz because I was looking for his PR person. Mm. So I was like, who, like if I want to do, I knew I wanted to do music PR. So I went to like the billboard top 200 and I was like, who are the acts right now that are killing it? Cause if they're killing it, they're going to have a publicist on retainer most likely. And so I just went down the list and I was like for immediate release, you know, uh, Tim McGraw for immediate release, whoever that was. And uh, I probably found about 20 to 25 contacts that way. And you can still find contacts that way. Now I used to, I mean, well, like, can talk about that too. But when I started blogging, that's how I found brand contacts. Same exact way. So did that, did a lot of interviews, got an interview with, with that company and got the job. And that's how that started. And then it just kind of, you know, evolved from there. And I got to learn a lot and do a lot and just experience a lot. It was a room. It was a, it was a woman owned business. It was all women. It's like 15 women in this office in Chelsea and they killed it. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. To be re- like resourceful in that way, I think is like such a, I don't know if it's innate or like, it's just mm-hmm. like, it, it's also like a, it's something you have when you're very young and it kind of just translates as you get older into doing something like that. Like what other ways were you super resourceful early on? Yeah. I mean, I think that just my parents mm-hmm. divorced when I was seven years old mm-hmm. and I had to move around a lot as a kid. So I think that from that, I just became kind of like a little scrappy person. I'm like, well, I want to meet new people, right? So I got to be resourceful. I got to like figure out how to do that. And I think that the resourcefulness also allowed me to to focus on other things. So I didn't have to deal with my, with my feelings, you know, my feelings of loss. Like, you know, I, I lost a grandmother when I was really young that affected me. I lost, you know, my parents' marriage. I lost my hometown because we moved. Like there was just a lot of loss between the ages of four and nine, which is a really prominent developmental Mm -hmm. time. So a way for me to cope with that loss was by being resourceful and by having a lot of endurance and resilience and kind of like pushing through a lot of barriers. I think that's probably where that comes from. I'm also reading a book called It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wellman. It is amazing. Mm. It's, it talks about how your family lineage and your trauma of your family lineage can basically create the person that you are. So there may be some lineage stuff there too with just totally. like the resourcefulness of just figuring it out. Would you yeah. ever work with someone to figure it like a psychic oh, yeah. or an intuitive to do that? Oh yeah. I do that. I mean, you I do. Yeah. I work with energy healers, astrologers. Yeah. Um, I've done an Akashic records reading. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ashley Wood. I love that stuff. No, Nicholas Salter. Cool. That was amazing. Was it good? It was fantastic. Really? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you're in New York, you're working at this company and then what? Yeah. And then I kind of started to get a little, I wouldn't say burnout because I really did love what I was doing, but I kind of started to look around to the other women in the office and I was like, okay, is this going to like, do I want this for my life? Because obviously like that's the ladder that I was going up. And I was like, I don't think so. 
Like, do I really want to be in New York City at 32, like minding and grinding? And I was like, I don't think so. Because I was looking around at all the other women and they were either, you like, they didn't have children or they didn't want children. And I wanted more of that family component. And then also being from Tennessee, as much as I love New York City so much, I didn't want to rate. Like, I, I remember seeing like, it would be like snowing outside and these like moms with their five kids and the strollers and the subway. I'm like, no. Dude, bless. Yeah. For like, I, I can't. Like, you are a, yeah. you are a, a way better woman True than angel. I could be. Yeah. I literally would see that and I'm like, dude, that mm-hmm. is. Yep. And I'll just, I'll be honest. Like I would have to have a lot of money to live there. Oh, I would, I would need a nanny to do it. No yeah. I would need a nanny. No I would need more. a driver. I would need, yeah. and even things like you don't think of in New York city, there's a lot of buildings that don't have elevators. Yep. So then you're like doing like yes. a five floor walk up. Like with a stroller and a baby yeah. mm-hmm. and kids. And it's almost dangerous. Like that's yeah. maybe, like, I mean, we live there and we, we loved it there, but it's like, it's dangerous. Like if you are also have little humans you have to look after. Mm-hmm. There's just so much more like cars and I, I don't and know. Stuff and people. And sound pollution, like the loud yeah. sounds with baby. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I um, I was like, I this is not what I want, <clears throat> but this has been fun and amazing. Met a lot of incredible people who are still in my life today. Just mm-hmm. really good lifelong friends. And I had an opportunity at that time, kind of like the universe's way of pushing me where I needed to go next. Um, and a, a job, a publicity job at HarperCollins opened. Now HarperCollins has an imprint in Nashville and it's their faith-based imprint. So like mm. every big thought leader, every big pastor, every big faith-based person, Christian faith-based person that puts out a book usually comes from that imprint. Ah. Okay. Um, there's a couple of others that are also now owned by HarperCollins. So I was like, okay, so it's it's PR, it's publicity, but I'm just going to be doing books instead of music. So I can do that. I can figure that out. So I, I took the job. I went back and and started working there. And, and then that kind of led into this other like amazing phase that happened. And, and yeah, so then I did that. Got to work with a lot of incredible people got to work on a lot of incredible books. Mm. And um, a couple of years in kind of found myself in this feeling of like, you know, like the itchy, like, is this really, again, like, yeah. is this really going to be the rest of my life? Started looking around in my windowless cubicle. And I was like, I'm literally in someone else's dream right now. Like yeah. someone had had a dream to create this company and it's amazing, but it's not mine. Mm-hmm. However, I did make sure that when I was working at the PR agency in New York or more of the corporate environment at HarperCollins, I I did a lot of the work that other people didn't want to do. And I really just, I tried to use that opportunity and that moment just to learn everything that I could learn. So then I could then step into something myself. I don't think that I could have ever been the entrepreneur that I am without having that experience. And I think a lot of times that's where I see a lot of people that come up now that they come out of the gate, right? Out of college, like I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, but, but. And that's amazing. That's great. And a lot of people do figure it out. However, I feel like that a lot of people tend to like snub their nose at the corporate life or at the agency life. And to me that it taught me how to be an entrepreneur, all of those experiences. So, um, I a hundred percent agree. I do yeah. feel like that. Like when I see even in blogging, mm-hmm. like girls that came up and they didn't have a job and they just worked in blogging, the level of professionalism is so different. Yep. And worth ethic. Yes. And mm-hmm. just knowing how to connect with people and, yes. and write emails. I mean, that kind of led, 
you know, we can talk about that as well if, if you want about mm-hmm. kind of how that transpired. But I, I totally saw that as well. Yeah. It's like, and you know, the corporates are big for a reason. It's like they've grown and scaled and they have all the processes in place that allow them to be successful. So learning from that is so important. Absolutely. You know, like, so systems and pro like I love an SOP. I like, I love a system <laughs> and a process better than anything. And a lot of times, you know, they, people just, they don't, at least the, the world in which I'm, I'm accustomed to my audience who are influencers or aspiring to be influencers, bloggers, YouTubers, what have you, if they haven't given themselves that gift to have that experience and to be someone's assistant, or just mm-hmm. to really take the time to like do the shitty work that no one else wants to do. Like there's so much beauty and like amazingness in that too. Yes. Preach. Yeah. <laughs> well, cause I think people want to like skip, skip the steps. We know some skippers. <laughs> yeah. No, of course. But it's just, and it's, it's not like, ew, it's just like, Oh, like, you know, we talk about it a lot where we're like, you know, we, we get messages from people who want to become podcasters and like so much of our, you know, we can answer as, you know, a certain amount of questions, but then it's like, we are where we are and we are who we are because of the process mm-hmm. of figuring it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, we do want to, we do want to create resources for people to help them navigate the space, but so much of it is just your own experience and how you've been able to figure it out, which you touched on before. It's just so formative. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. For sure. It's like a hard balance as a female to support, you know, I want to support as many people as I can, but then I feel like people ask for so much Mm. and so many resources and so many things that we've worked so hard for that at a point, you know, you're like, wait, what, you know, like, what are, is this how it's supposed to work? You know what I mean? Like, or it's people like, what do you really want? Way, I for sure. Like, I don't know. It's just like with giving everything mm-hmm. away that you've worked for, you're like, is this how I'm supposed to be giving? Is this how I'm supposed to be supporting mm-hmm. other people? Is this how they're supposed to be learning? You know, it's like an interesting balance that I think about all the time. I'm like, of course I do. I give as much as I can and I do more often than not. I'm, I'm giving it without question, but I do think about that. I'm like, am I hindering their process? Mm-hmm. Am I not helping? Am I selling myself short by giving everything that we've mm-hmm, worked for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of that idea of like, no, you can't pick my brain because it costs too much. Uh, um, do you say that to anyone or in a nice, like a, a way that, no, I mean, what, <laughs> yeah. What do you do? Yeah, boundary, what, I've, what I've learned in that is I actually give my best stuff away for free. All of my best stuff. When it comes to selling a product or service, I feel like you have to give pretty like the what, like you have to give all of the what away. What you don't give away is the how. The how piece is 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 the tr- is the transformation is the results piece, right? And and people buy people buy results; they don't buy information. Mm-hmm. With that said, though, I think that when someone comes to me or you guys and they're like, "How did you do it?" They're not really asking how I did it; they're asking how they can do it. And so I think that that how again, you know, because they want to know how how can I do this? How can mm. I can I make this this happen? And um, and I think that it's important to in the boundary that you you said that word, which is huge because there's a fine line between, I want to share with you what I did and all I can, you know, all I can share is this is, this is what worked for me. You know, I don't know if it's going to work for you, but this is what worked for me. But you also have to remember that what you hold is the container. It's really up to that person to show up and do the work and see the results that they want. 
So no matter how many programs that I have, no matter how many podcast episodes that I have, if you don't want to show up and really do the work and take the accountability to transform yourself, then you're not going to see a result. And I can't, I can't be attached to that because everyone has their own guidance path. Mm-hmm. And by me trying to step in and interject in your guidance path, I'm actually just kind of stealing from you the one thing that you need the most, which is your dignity and going down your own guidance path. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times too, that people will look for for, for other people to do that, like come into my guide, like intersect my guidance path, make my guidance path yours. But then you're just kind of setting yourself up for failure because it's not, it's not what you don't know or what you feel like you're limited to that upsets you. It's when your expectation of what was supposed to happen becomes violated. And then, you know, and then you just, you, you go into the suffering of that. What would you say to the, before you get back to your story, what would you say to the girl in the cubicle right now that maybe doesn't like her job? Yeah. I mean, if she doesn't like her job, I would say to listen, you know, like really listen to yourself, you know, and and listen, listen to yourself about, you know, why don't you like your job? Like kind of make a list of all the things of like, why, like why I don't like it. If I could wave a magic wand and paint a perfect picture of my job, this is what it would look like. But at the same time, I think gratitude is super important Mm -hmm. as much as we always tend to kind of harp on the scarcity and what we don't have. At the same time, think about like, what do you like about that job? You know, you get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. What are you learning that can be useful? You may not even be able to see it in that moment, but what are you able to do? It's it's that presence of like, how are you able to be present in this moment? So this teacher that you have, which is this experience can teach you what you need to know. And then when it's time, you can then go to the next stage. Um, so it's a twofold of, being grateful for kind of the gifts and the moments that you're having and letting those be your teachers while at the same time, also not selling yourself short and, and really listening to yourself. And if you do long for something more, if you want something more, like go and get it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and listen. So, you know, when the time's right to make that happen. Yeah. I think there's like a definite balance between listening and then doing, Mm -hmm. because I think some people can kind of get like lost in the listening. Like, is that a sign? Should I do that? What are people going to think? Yeah. So I definitely think there's that like incubation time of just Mm -hmm. like, okay, like what does my heart really Mm -hmm. want? And then learning the lessons you need to learn and then just doing, Mm -hmm. you know, because once you start doing, it's like a new, it's like a new game. You're like, Mm -hmm. Okay. Like it's a new energy that's fueling the whole thing. Yep. And then I think after that, it's just being mm-hmm. because doing is kind of more ego centric. Totally. Right. And so it's like, we can do so much for ourselves. And I think a lot of us have a higher capacity of, of power or resilience or, you know, um, resourcefulness or whatever, you know, we were talking about that earlier. So I think certain people have more capacities for those things than others, but also realizing that you're going to hit a ceiling at some point of doing to where you have to, you have to step into this new, um, brilliance of being Mm -hmm. and like, and, and then that can be really fucking scary because then you have to like, you have to love yourself and you have to be okay with sitting still with yourself. And that can be really hard for a lot of people. Mm. Okay. Back to the story. So we, when do we get to the point where you're like, all right, I'm going to be like my, an entrepreneur. Yeah. I'm going to so, leave the cube. Yeah. Leave the cube. So I, I spent a couple of years there and got to work on a lot of projects. And it was so interesting because the CEO of that company at the time was a man named Mike Hyatt, who actually has a really popular podcast. And he actually left the company to 
be an entrepreneur and to get into to the online marketing world, whatever that was, whatever mm-hmm. that meant at the time. And I was like, you know, I think that there's something here. And I think also too, that I, you know, I saw how kind of like the generation before me was living, but I also got this sense that like our, like my generation, our generation was going to be the ones to kind of break that mold because of social media. We just had more access to things we had. And even if we, even if the access didn't change, we, we just started finally believing that we did. We started, we started finally believing that like with nothing more than a laptop and a dream, like I can do whatever the hell I want really, you know? And so, um, so I kind of made that decision. I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, I think, I think that I learned what I need to learn and anything past this point is just going to be complacent and like small and safe. So, um, I'm, I'm ready to kind of take this leap and see what happens. So I left and I started a book PR company with another woman who had worked there. So we basically just went on out on our own as freelancers. And then that company became a client. So that was great. Cause we were now essentially just contracted workers. We could work with that company. We could work with authors individually. We could work with other publishing houses. And around that same time, I moved here to LA. I'd met my husband and he had already lived here. And so I moved out here and we became pregnant very, very quickly within the first eight months of knowing each other. And he's an actor. And so he was gone a lot when I was here. He was on on set and all of that kind of stuff. So I found myself barefoot and pregnant in LA, you know, and <laughs> kind of like back to the New York thing of like, I don't know anyone. You know, I have this book PR, you know, this book job that I can do anywhere because I have my laptop, but my partner's in Nashville, all my friends, everyone's there. So what do I do? And so I started kind of just like looking around and looking online and um, I started noticing that the, that every, for some reason, like the one thing that every chick in LA was doing was this thing called blogging. It was like, everyone moved to LA and like started a blog. And so I was like, well, I'll, I'll do that and see if I can meet people. It wasn't even a way to monetize or to do anything. It was literally to like make friends because I knew that if I blogged that I could get in front of the brands, there would probably be some events, networking opportunities. And that would be a way for me to kind of mix and mingle in the city. So I started that and then quickly met other bloggers and started kind of doing that thing. You know, I would get invited to events, uh, blogger friends of mine would have me be their plus one, what have you. And started to kind of dive into that. And I had a, a lifestyle slash mommy blog because I was a new mom and um, dove into that. I liked to write. So mm-hmm. that was fun. It was a creative outlet for that. It gave me something just to kind of do that was mine. It allowed me to meet a lot of people. But about a year into that, I started noticing that a lot of these other young women that were blogging, they just, they didn't know what the hell they were doing in Mm. terms of business strategy, monetization, marketing, and specifically from my lens, being a publicist, pitching. And so I would see a lot of these, even when we were out at events, like the way that they would talk to brands or the way that they would, they would go to events and they, they would literally sit in the corner with like their friends say no more. And I'm like, you're not like, you're doing such a disservice to yourself because you're not, you're not using this really amazing moment to, to meet people to, I don't even like to use the word network. Cause I think a lot of times if there's any introverts listening, they're like, well, I can't do that. Cause I'm an introvert. Well, actually introverts are some of the most amazing entrepreneurs out there, but they would get very, to me, I think it was just intimidation and fear. They were so intimidated 
to just be themselves and be seen and show up. Whereas since it was just my job for so long to kind of do that for other people, I kind of saw myself, I started doing that for my friends. I was like, go meet this brand. Come here. I'll introduce you to him. I don't care. Yeah. And so I'd be like, Hey, Susie from XYZ brand, this is my friend, Sherry, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and it would just start a conversation. And so I started to notice that these women didn't know how to do that. And then when I started diving into to getting to know some of them more. And they started realizing that I knew how to do it and I knew how to do it well, because at the time I had less than probably 15,000 followers. And yes, that can be a lot relatively speaking, but I had friends that had 150 to 200,000 followers at the time. And they were making, I don't know, like nothing off Mm. their blog. And I was consistently making $5,000 a month. That was like my thing. And it's because I was pitching myself. I was getting out there. I would email brands constantly. I would think of ideas. I would try to figure out ways to just make it happen. I got my entire house renovated by World Market and then got a huge feature in People Magazine. And it's just because I knew how to talk that language. And so Mm. it, it kind of came to me very quickly that as like cute as my blog might've been, that's not what these women needed from me. What they needed from me was strategy, was marketing. They needed help monetizing. So um, I started just kind of talking about it on the blog. I started just giving tips. You know, I would write a blog post about like the, the five biggest social media tips that you need to know. And those posts just started going crazy. And people started sharing them. And I was like, whoa, I just got more views on this one post than I have on like all of the other mom posts that I ever did combine. Like there's something here. So I started listening to that. And then from that, I created an online program called Pitch It Perfect, which has now been, um, and I mean, thousands of, of bloggers have used it. Um, we've had bloggers that so many hundreds have like literally gone full time from it. They went from making nothing to making $10,000 a month. I mean, it's been amazing to see how that transformed their businesses, but it just went back to that idea that I really just started again, listening and paying attention to what was happening around me and what, what was it that they needed and how could I be a solution provider for that? But I had to get over that hump because for the longest time, I thought that by, that I would, I would become a leader and stick out among the saturation just by kind of like following what everyone else was doing. But followers don't follow followers, they follow leaders. And so I think that when I was able to let go of that and, you know, well, I'm not going to be your, your cookie cutter LA fashion blogger or your, your LA beauty blogger. I'm not going to be the, on the front row of all the fashion shows. I'm not going to, whatever those things were that I made up and told myself that were, that were kind of like, that's when you know that you've made it. And I pivoted and I just started like not giving a shit and doing my own thing and really got back to the core of what I was good at. Like, what am I really good at? And what I'm really good at is marketing, communications, pitching, strategy, all of that stuff. And at the time, there was not another blogger that was doing that for other bloggers because they were so scared of giving away any of the information that they had. And what I did, I just gave it all away. Um, I gave a lot of it away for free. And then I created the how as the program and then sold that program. And that program is now a seven figure plus program after three years. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. amazing. You definitely hit a hole in the, like, I remember when you came on the scene and I was like, dude, that's so smart. And it's, it's also like, it feels like good karma too. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like within a business, you know what I mean? And I know that's not specifically why you're doing it. It's just like, it kind of feels that way. And it also feels like, you know, like success does come both monetarily and just 
other ways by doing things like that, where it's helping people, you know, and where they come back to you and they're like, no, I'm doing it full time. Like, thank you so much. You know, it's just, uh, there's something to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing that it's like, that's what makes me feel, um, successful. It's not, you know, I never went, I never created that program being like, I want to create a seven figure program. Mm -hmm. I never thought about that. I, I really went into it saying like, okay, I know how much I need to like pay the bills. So if I'm not going to be doing a lot of brand deals anymore, cause I'm going to be focusing on this, on this program, as long as the program can supplement that, then we're cool. And it really went from, I just, I wanted people to know that they could do it too. That because I think a lot of times people would make up and be like, well, Julie just does that because she was a publicist or because she knows a lot of people or because she's married to an actor or whatever they had to tell themselves so they could continue mm. being small. And it's I'm like, no, like you can, you can make up and tell yourself what you want to think of other people all day long, but the How reality often do women do that. Oh my gosh. We do that all the time. <laughs> Even like subconsciously yeah. we're constantly doing, Wait, I mean, give it's me more examples. Meaning like, like you saying like, well, well, her husband's, her husband's an actor. An actor. So he has so, connections. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah or, it's like, I never met a brand through my husband. Yeah. Like he's, he's an actor. He's not a, he's not an yeah. influence. He doesn't know brand, but also like, who cares? It's yeah. like, right. You know what I mean? Like everyone has their own connections. It's like how resourceful you are. Yeah. Right. Like Krista is, was a blogger, is a blogger, mm-hmm. but like brought her skills of like knowing brands, relationships with brands into the podcast. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So like someone could shit on you for that, but it's like, why, no, wouldn't, like, why yeah. wouldn't I do that? That's like your life, right? Yeah. You know, like your life experiences and the connections yeah. that you have are mm-hmm. all. But women, I, I just feel like, and I I've agree. done that before yeah. where we're so quick to be like, yeah. Well, you know, she's yep. done this. Or we had, uh, the one <laughs> right. time we were on, these girls were talking about us on a podcast. They were like, we love them, but they also have photographers following them around <laughs> and they have <laughs> a team that. that does all the work. Yeah. Well, that's called that? running a business. Yeah. A hundred. <laughs> that's called a business. That and would also be like, wish you knew what we did behind the scenes. Right. Like, really. it's, like, it's like, I really love Starbucks, but they have like people that work behind the <laughs> desk. And like, they have like people that make your coffee. I mean, they're a good company, I guess, but they have like all these other people who pour your coffee. It's like, oh my God. where's the founder doing that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, show me one successful company oh, that does not have a team. Peace, peace and bless. It was, it was funny. Peace and bless. <laughs> yes. Um, so what are some things that people, so besides, so for bloggers and entrepreneurs, like they didn't really know how to pitch. Like what are some other mistakes that you see women m- making online when they want to build a brand? Yeah. Um, and I think that this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about too. Um, the algorithm, right? People love to make up and tell themselves that the algorithm is this like hairy, scary monster. That's like standing outside their door waiting to Damn. burn their house down. And I'm like, no, babe. The algorithm is a, it's, it's an equation. It's a, it's like sixth grade algebra, right? It is literally, it only works off of what you give it. So like if your two plus two is not equaling four, it's because you have the numbers, you know, three and five in there. So you can't get upset at the algorithm. It, it, it means that you're either not doing something right. You don't know what you're doing you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting mm. a different result. You just keep doing what everyone else around you is doing, which makes your content completely oversaturated. And then the algorithm is like, oh, your followers don't want to see this content because they didn't like it. It's not that they didn't see it, so they didn't like it. They didn't like it, so they didn't see it. And I think a lot of times I, I even have friends, they're just like, oh, I mean, they're like the follow for follow, the loop giveaway, the algorithm. And I'm just like, girl, stop creating that content. 
if that if that photo didn't get a lot of likes, try something else because it's only working off of what you give it. And I think the more that we just make up and tell ourselves, which just because of the algorithm, if it wasn't because of the algorithm, I would be I would be Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. And it's like no, it's 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 literally that your your content is not something that your audience is finding useful. Mm-hmm. Period. End of story. Yeah. And I think even think one specific example that I've been noticing lately that I'm like, Argh. and whoever started this is is genius. But there was a blogger out there. I don't know who which one it was. But they must have had a knack for photography and design because they thought of this idea, well, why why don't I create presets? Because no one knows how to make their photos look pretty. So I'm going to create the presets and I'm going to sell it. Great product line. Whoever thought of that and started doing that. I think it was Tezza. Dude, she's number one. She's number one. And she she had a phenomenal, unique look. You know, it had that orange, red, fiery kind of thing. And she was a genius at thinking, well, how can I monetize this? Well, I'll just create a product line of presets. But the problem is that now all these other bloggers have bought the same presets. And so now every blogger's photos look the exact same. Mm -hmm. And you're all sitting here like shocked that that the algorithm's not working in your favor when all of you look like Tezza. Mm -hmm. It is crazy. Like, yeah. She, I admire her so much. She's so, she's always 50 steps ahead. She just works so hard. And she's like one of the few bloggers I think about that actually inspire me. Cause mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot when, when I read their captions and I'm just like inspired by what they say, but when I've gone to events and when I've seen people, it, they don't inspire me in person. And mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the being on the phone in the corner, but when she sold those presets, you will see, you saw a difference. Like I see now every time on my Explorer page, it's the same type of preset, the same type of editing going on. And damn, you can take a a fucking photo that is a three and make it a, a seven or an eight with a good, with a good Lightroom edit. Absolutely. And it's crazy. I mean, it was genius on her, but it is like, now you just see that and you're like, okay. Right. And she, but again, Tezza, she supplied the what, right? Yeah. And then she, and then she sold you the how. This is, this is how, this is the, the presets. Damn. But what I, and it's the same thing that I tell my students with my pitch templates, you're going to get the exact pitch templates that are going to get you, that are going to land you brand deals. I know that they work and it's not just me, the thousands of other students who have used them know that they work, but the students that really stick out among the saturation and the students that really make the, mo- the most money are not the ones that literally copy and paste my template. They take it as a structure and then they add their own element, their mm-hmm. own spin, their own juice, th- their own creative genius into it. And that's what I try to preach to a lot of these women is that, you know, you can, you can literally cookie cutter, copy and paste it. But if you, but like, why would you? Because you're, you're stealing, you're stealing from yourself. You're, you're really, you're still not showing up. You're just expecting mm-hmm. yeah. someone else to come in and make it happen for you. So I think that that's been the issue with the presets is that it's just been a copy and paste instead of using it more as just a baseline and then going from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a habit too. Like if you're doing that in one area of your life, where else are you kind of just taking the easy route, copy, pasting, copying, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's really, and it's just, that I, I do, I don't think people are doing it on purpose all the time. It's just what they know it's and how they, right. you know, what's comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what you don't know. And that's, that was the biggest thing for me that I, I just got so, that was the, sh- that was the shift for me is that when I saw myself getting into that rat race and this was mm. back when like reward style and like to know it were like, you know, everything was like to know it, like to know it, like to know it. <laughs> and I was like, I've just, I've created a new cage for me. Like I literally left corporate America to get Uh, out of that cage and I'm now into a new cage. And that reward style 
that was the best bait and switch in social media like history. I don't know much. I mean, we are I going see, to tell you that. that you can be an entrepreneur and that you can leave your nine to five wow. and post pictures and make money off, off of it all day long. But all you've done is create a new cage for yourself. Now Damn. it may, it may be bigger, smaller. It may look different. It may have windows instead of doors, but it's still a cage. Mm. And so now you have all of these women. I think who, that's just a sham. It, uh, yeah. You have all so these I'll women. Say it, who, I was not going to say it, but I think it's a sham. And you never know how I much they're shady about the affiliate shit. Mm-hmm. I think they pay out sometimes. There's been so many girls and you never know how much they get. You never know how much they get. They they're like, you. oh, I was supposed to get a thousand and they're late on payment or they haven't done this. Or I actually bought the bag and should have got a commission payout and never saw it. Like mm-hmm. so shady. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then you have all these women who are like, okay, I left, you know, my corporate job to like be this creative entrepreneur. And now you know, I literally have to sell clothes off of my back to make money and I feel worthless and I feel like I don't have any value in the world. Like I've had girls come to me and say that. And I'm like, I mean, that's just one of the many ways that you can diversify your revenue streams as an influencer. It should not be the only way, Yeah, but you don't know what you don't know. And these women just see these other people doing it and it's this facade. And so they do it and they literally all look the same. They have the same clothes. They buy the same scars from Nordstrom. I know. It's they all, all the go same. to Nordstrom and they buy and then they post and then they return it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing too about the industry is like, it's so much about the the new, 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 like fast, fast, fast. So people are always buying more. They're always getting more clothes. They're always buying the next bag. Like bloggers share bags with one another because they want to be seen with like a hot bag and they'll, you know what I mean? There's Mm -hmm. just so much that like has turned me off about the industry in that space. And like with the reward style thing, I was just like looking at these threads and I'm like, don't you guys think this is bizarre. Right. Like, and and people did for sure. I wasn't the only one that saw through it, but I'm just like, this kind of stuff is like, I'm out. Like, I don't, uh, I find one thing fishy and I'm out. I don't want to participate in that. Like, I'm not going to have someone else dictate if I'm making X, Y, and Z based on an affiliate link to buy something. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then you have to keep doing it. That's the thing is like the, the race of the, what's the next deal? What's the next affiliate thing to go on is like super stressful. Yeah. And a lot of girls that come to my program come from that world and they didn't, they're like, you can, you can pitch yourself for brand deals. And I'm like, yeah, like they don't even, again, they just, they mm-hmm. don't know. All they know is, and you know, I think that since we live in LA, we're just, we see things, we're kind of on the tip of the arrow with things. But if you have a girl from Greenville, South Carolina, and her only, her only lens into this world is what she sees on Instagram. For sure you know, and she just sees reward style or shops, you know, whatever ex affiliate company all the time, she's not going to know any different. And so a lot of it is kind of like they get brainwashed into thinking one way. And then you have to literally have to retrain your brain into thinking more expansively and more open about it. Mm. Yeah. I wanted to ask about that. Like, how did you shift your mentality of thinking more expansively and openly, like to go from working in the corporate world to having a seven figure launch? Like what was your mental game like to allow for that and to believe that? Mm. I think a lot of it was just my own personal journey with letting go of control and letting go of perfectionism and letting go of that idea that. I had to think and feel a certain way and that I also had really good ideas about how other people should think and feel because that's just not how the world works. So for me, I think it was just, it was letting go of that idea because the way that I started thinking about it is that like you either let go or you get dragged. And I started becoming just dragged 
by this whole thing. And the more that I would try to force the blogger thing to kind of fit into this box, it was like the square, tree, you know, the peg and the round hole, yeah. or however you say that. But I kept trying to force this thing that just wasn't, it didn't work for me. And I think that that's why you see people like, um, let's use Ami Song, for example. She shines and thrives yeah, and is so. this insane fashion because at the end of the day, she really freaking loves what she does. I never loved fashion that way. Like I never loved learning about designers or textiles or fabrics or, you know, I like, I like being cute. You know, I like looking pretty presentation is important to me, but again, I had to detach from that, the control of how I got there. You know, I could still visualize and, and attract what I wanted that in result, but I had to let go of how it was going to come about. Mm. And that was the biggest thing for me was just releasing that. And even it was interesting how, even in my personal life, I mean, my husband was just like, Julie, you, you, you cannot expect to literally look, think, and feel just like all of these other people and that you're magically going to stand out or that it's magically going to work for you. You may be able to get there to a certain point, but what I learned is that, you know, loving something is, is the key to everything because, you know, and you, and you can, you can love something, but if you don't, love it as much as the next person who not only loves it, but they also have the endurance and resilience to back that up and to keep showing up day in and day out and making that happen because they absolutely love it, then you're not going to be able to compete necessarily. And so I started to have to, I started getting really honest with myself about like, do I want to be the absolute flipping best at this? Because if the answer is yes, then I'm going to have to become the absolute best version of myself that I possibly can be. And when I got honest, I was like, I don't want to be the absolute best fashion blogger. And if I was making up and telling myself that, well, then where is that coming from? What void am I really trying to like fill up here? You know, why do I, why am I seeking that validation? And so getting, letting, getting clear on that and kind of letting go of that idea of that perfectionism or that curated imperfection, which is what I love to call that like, oh, I have messy hair and sweatpants and coffee and I'm just like you. That curated perfection. And I just said, you know what? No, totally. Like, They're like, that. I had a cupcake yesterday. I'm crazy. I'm crazy. I'm like, bitch, eat a fucking like 12 pizza pack. Right. And call right. me. Yeah, literally. Yo, pizza that's posts. my number one. All right. Are there holes in pizza? underwear with a pizza? Right. Eh. Because that, because that's what we do. Totally. We hang out in our underwear and eat pizza. <laughs> Literally, they have like six packs. You're like, what? Yeah, I'm like, I've never number I've one never worst. sat on my floor with with or the pizza is like resting under their tits. Yes, with the, like, or the knee high socks. I love pizza. Oh right. my god, the knee yeah, I'm like, I've never. And, and maybe there's other Yo. women who dress that way, but like for me, I was like, why am I curating this? I do. Like yeah. this is not what that I do. Kills me. And so my husband was like you are Julie publicist. It was so funny the night that we met, um, he put me in his phone as Julie publicist. I'm like, how many Julies did you have in there? <laughs> yeah, literally. But that's, he's like, you're, you're, you're Ju-. like, that is, I mean, not that you have to attach your identity yeah, to yeah, that, yeah. but like, that's who you, that's, that's your genius. Yeah. So like, like get into your zone of genius. And that, that's the other thing you have to figure out like, what is my zone of genius? What zone is my genius, zone baby. of it. competence? And what is my zone of incompetence? And am I trying to force all of these different things? Yeah. So that was huge for me is, is embracing my, my true zone of genius and just, just like letting go into mm. that. And I think you could ask like, for, so if someone doesn't know their zone of genius, what would you say for them? 
asking friends. Yeah. Like if, if you don't like first it would be like, what do you really, really love doing? If you're going to get honest with yourself, like what could you, what do you, when you Google something for shits and giggles, what do you Google? Like if you're just researching for something, just mm-hmm. for the fun of researching it, is it skincare? Is it, you know, uh, puppies? Is, you know, like what is that thing that you just naturally love My to research? My last Google was, is like a virgin, a Satanist song. <laughs> so music, Not music surprised. and learning about Madonna being a Satanist. So there you go. Pop culture, <laughs> pop culture, pop culture. Boom. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And so when I got really honest with that, it's like, I, I research business a lot. I read a lot of business books. I read a lot of marketing books. I read a lot of self-help books. Mm-hmm. You know, I go to a lot of conferences and events that are surrounded by that. Um, I love skincare and beauty and I love getting a facial and all of that, but I'm not going to be the person that wants to create my own skincare line. Yeah, just like getting very real about that. Cause I think it's like, very real. you know, women are like master, uh, multitask, mm-hmm. multitaskers. So feeling like you can do all these things when like really it dilutes like what you put into mm-hmm. it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it just drives you fucking nuts. Cause you're like, why am I sad? And it's like, oh, maybe like I am not the one to be showing people what facials they should be getting. I mean, it's like getting very real, Mm -hmm. like you just said, just about what you're passionate about. And aligning that to what your audience wants and needs. I mean, that's the other big thing. Cause I I could love skincare, but like my girl, my audience, like she doesn't want that from me. Mm -hmm. She's got other people she gets that from. I wanted to go back for a second to when, so you had, you got pregnant very quickly. And so how did that like change who you are as just a human being, but then also like within business. And then, you know, a blog is a very personal thing. So how did you keep it personal, but like also create boundaries as you were growing a family and just being a mom? You know? Yeah. There's a, I think it's an Asian proverb that says that every child comes into the world with their own bowl of rice meaning like they come with their own abundance mm, and like, like they, they bring something to the table essentially. So I would say that I definitely had hit a level of expansion when my, a creative expansion when my wow. son was born. I keep hearing that. Yeah. I mean, yep. yeah. I've and, heard that three or four times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not that I necessarily Yo. had financial, like it, it was, it was creativity. It was just what? it's like the womb, like there, yes. that's right. where your creative center is. Right. Wow. There you was know? a ticket. Um, real when I have a baby. You want to make it happen. And that's the thing that it's like energetically, fertility is not just children. I mean, it, it can be ideas. It can be businesses. It can be, um, you know, property. It can, it can be so many different kinds of things. But when you're in that, that fertile energy, that's when a lot of my ideas about just becoming an entrepreneur really showed up and then wow. having the courage and the confidence to do it. You know, there's, you're, you get so tapped into your, your divine feminine when you're pregnant. And even like during labor, I'm, I had my child completely natural. Wow. No epidural, no, no, no Tylenol, no nothing. It's beautiful. Cause did I you train for that <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, I read, a friend of ours just did that too, like a year ago. Mm-hmm. And we were like, Anyone that has a baby is and a we, fucking god, goddess, yeah. but this, but yes. And it's because I want, I like, I, again, I have a high tolerance for pain. I, I like to push through doors, push through walls, resilience. Um, my mom had all four of us naturally. It's kind of all that I ever really knew. Were you knew. at home or a hospital? I was at a hospital, but if I were, am to blessed to do it again, I would do it at home just mm, because cool. there was no reason for me. How long was the labor? Um, I started feeling contractions around lunchtime. 
just kind of like, oh, that's interesting. And then I really started feeling contractions around like nine o'clock. I was in full blown labor at 11. And when I say that, like you're, you literally feel like your body is being ripped open from the inside out. You're full, like convulsions, everything. Mm. Um, and then I got to the hospital at around 12. He was already crowning. I was wow. like bearing down in the car and I could feel it. Wow. And I pushed for 45 minutes and then he was here. And does everyone get mad when you tell that story? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. That is yeah. amazing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, and that's the thing that I, you know, I do want to preface this by I've, you know, if I was a woman who was in labor for two days, like I probably would have gotten an epidural, but I had a doula um, or birthing, birthing coach. And she told me, she was like, if you want to have a baby natural, you have to wait till you transition before you go to the hospital. So there's this moment, it's kind of like the calm before the storm mm. that after the contractions, you kind of have this stillness and it lasts, for me, it lasted about an hour. It may last longer or shorter for other people, but it's kind of like, oh, well, that was just the craziest thing that ever happened to me before. Let's go get a soda. I mean, you just, you feel so <laughs> fine. And then, and then you start to bear down and then that's when wow. the actual like delivery starts. But she said, if you go to the hospital before the transition, you're going to want an epidural. You're going to be in so much pain, oh, so many things. So I actually went through the majority of my labor at home. Beautiful. And then I, we got in the car. Luckily it was midnight. Birth and so, coach was there? No. Oh, okay. No, just me and my, and my husband cool. um, and my in-laws. Of course, my, my father-in-law was like, I told you I should have left early. <laughs> it's like, thanks. Yeah. You're making me feel real good right hey, now. Hey man, yeah. do you have a vagina? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it just, I don't know if it happened in that way because I could feel everything. And I could, I like your body tells you when to contract, like you literally don't have to do anything but squat and breathe. And like bearing that there's no health issues, right? Bearing that that it, it it's aligned. That's all you have to do. And a baby will come out of your body. I mean, it's gravity, it's nature, mm. it's and nothing will make you realize how anim, animalistic we human beings are. And until you have a baby, because babies, they're, the, the sense that's most heightened is their smell. They can't really see yet or hear yet. But you'll actually, I actually saw my son like slither. Like he could smell my milk and like slither up my body to my breast. Oh, to, right. to, yeah. It was, I was oh. like, I'm a mammal. Like I am a freaking mammal. That's amazing. Yeah. It was oh, insane. You like see wow. them. You can actually YouTube it. You can YouTube babies and it they, they are just like, they like slither up their mother's body. It's going to be my new YouTube obsession. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh my God. What they, they smell it. For our mother or for our mothers that are listening, we have a lot of, mm-hmm. we have a thriving almost 30 motherhood mm-hmm. group. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to them that are working and, you know, have a kid? You know, I would say to just be gentle with yourself, but also know that like none of us have this fucking figured out. And it's like, there will be multiple times a day that I will get very resentful and frustrated with just, just the life of being a mom. And, you know, some people may think that that's an asshole statement because there may be a lot of people out there that have been trying to have children for a really long time. So they're like, how dare you say that? And I totally get that and, and hear that. But it's, it, it's just the nature, like it, I, I'm human you know, mm-hmm. and there will be those days that I'm just like, I don't want to be a mom. I'm, I'm being selfish and I'm being a freaking child and I'm suffering and I'm choosing this, but this is my feelings right now. And I really just, do I have to mom right now? Right. 
And so I think for me, it, it was interesting because my my pregnancy was amazing. My labor and delivery was, thank God, was very easy and healthy. My postpartum was kind of funky. Mm. I had I had some some major. I, I wasn't put on medication, but I had some major baby blues. Like I would be crying in the shower. I never wanted to harm myself or harm my child. I, I loved him, but I just remember sitting there being like this was the worst idea that you ever had. Like, what the F were you thinking? Like, wow. you you know, I'm like, you barely know this guy. My so husband. Did you, yeah. <laughs> so did you get what married, did married after? We got married when I was pregnant. Okay, so cool. we got married. My husband did like a movie and it was again, abundance. Like we get pregnant and then he's just like work, 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 work. So wow. there was a time in J- July that he was not working and we went and we eloped at the beach. Um, July 24th. And then our son came in September. So it was, yeah, it was fast, but there was just a lot of, a lot of just emotions. Um, but that was kind of the first time that I just allowed myself to feel them without judgment. So for those that may want to judge my story, I, you know, I would also just encourage you that, you know, if, if you want to be a mom and that hasn't happened for you, or if it's not going to happen for you, just, it's so easy to judge yourself and, and to judge others, mm-hmm. but really it's just a reflection of, of what's going on within you mm-hmm. of, of your own mm-hmm. self judgment. And so um, I would say to, to, to be gentle with yourself. And if you have those moments that aren't perfect, and if you have those moments that like you want to be selfish and you want to be human to just let, let that feeling come and, and then, you know, it, it will pass. Mm. And what was Beautiful. like, what was it like navigating, like with your husband, like, were you able to kind of communicate that or? Yeah. You know, it was so interesting in the beginning. Cause from, you know, I don't want to say for men, cause I don't want to generalize it, but from, for my husband and from what I've heard from lots of other dads, nothing really changes for them in the beginning. I mean, they may lose some sleep, but he was like, cool, we got a kid. Okay. I'm going to go work out. You know, like he's like, hey, I'm going to a concert tonight. And I'm just like, okay, I'm like leaking and bleeding. And like, I'm a freaking elephant right now, but yeah. you go do you dude. Um, so I, I think that there's, there's probably waves of resentment that kind of happen on, on both ends and just navigating this new thing with this child. And I was never the kind of mom that was like, when I have a child, I'm going to be fulfilled. Mm. <laughs> and I just want a van of babies crawling on me. And, you know, I, I don't have to work. Like I was, I knew that I was never that type of person. I knew that I, in order for me to show up and be the best version of myself and be the best mom that I could be, I needed my thing. I needed a creative outlet. I needed to work. I needed to, to serve in that way. So then I, it could fill my cup up and then I could come and I could serve my family. Yeah. So that was, that was a, a huge thing of just kind of learning, but then also, you know, having our son and having that fertility that we were mentioning earlier of just so much creativity came from that. And um, it kind of forces you to be home and be still and be with your child. And the breastfeeding thing is a, is a whole other journey that that was very very hard for me to produce milk. For some women, they're like milkmaids, so I had I had issues around that, and because um, I wanted to breastfeed as long as I could because mm. I thought that that was what was the best for my child. I. I really felt guilty when I, even like when it was time for him just to eat food, like I felt guilty about that. And it's like, Julie, it's like, it's an avocado. It's okay. Like relax, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, like he's fine. (laughs) fine. So I think um, just 
allowing yourself to go through those motions, but then also seeing seeing the abundance that happens yeah. from that is really beautiful. That's so cool. Last question from me. For someone, um, like I want to th- talk about authenticity and vulnerability online. For like a lot of our girls do want to share more vulnerably, you know, on online, on Instagram or, or what have you, what would be some advice that you would give to them? Mm. You know, the way that I define vulnerability is really the action of showing up and being seen, even when you cannot predict or control the outcome. And it goes back to that control thing that we were talking about. I think a lot of times we, they, whomever, people online, women online, they don't know how to be vulnerable. They say, I don't know how to be authentic or I'm being authentic. I'm showing up, I'm sharing, but nothing's happening. But I think that it's because they're, they're being authentic with the expectation of X, Y, and Z, or I'm going to show up and be vulnerable with the expectation that this, this, and this will happen. And so I think that it's really like, how can I show up and share and serve and give my ideas and stand for something, you know, without controlling or predicting the outcome. Yeah. And just letting it. That's so true. That's what it is. Cause it is, you know, in, when people ask us about that, because they'll say like, I can't believe what you share on the podcast, you know, which I'm like, oh, what did I share? Uh, but are my unattachment to the outcome of being, because you are on a podcast and we're recording here, I don't necessarily see everyone hearing and reacting and thinking, or I don't think about it. Although people message us, that unattachment to the outcome is so important. It's it's everything. everything. And when I st- and that was the other thing too, the pivot for me of when I started the online programs. And then of course the influencer podcast came after that because people, they wanted that information. I, I had no expectation or outcome with the podcast. And I think that, cause a lot of people are like, how did that work for you? And I'm sure you guys get this question too. Like how, how was that the medium that was successful? Because mm. we've all tried, you know, we, you yeah. and I were bloggers and like you have a history and, mm-hmm. you know, in, in acting and a lot of other creative elements that you did. And people tend to be like, you know, why did that work for you? And I've even had girls that, you know, I've women in the industry that, you know, I'll see them or we'll meet in person. And they're just like, how is that working for you? But it's not working for me. And it's like, how do you do that? And it works, but then I try to do it and it doesn't work. And I'm like, because you're doing it with the expectation of something. And the podcast was the first, the podcast in the program were probably, and I kind of see them as, as one brand, but that was the first time in my life and really in my business that I showed up and did something without expecting this like grandiose kind of thing to happen. When I was a blogger, I had so much expectation around it and just the intention was like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to create content for the podcast. It's going to be free. People can consume it if they want or not. This is what I'm going to share because this is what I've heard that I think that this audience wants and needs. These are the guests that I want to have come on to share their genius. And this is going to be really fun. And I think that this is just going to allow me to learn more about myself and to serve this audience in a really unique way. Totally. And that was really my only expectation was like, how can I, how can I serve? And I think because I didn't go into it with this massive outcome of it has to be this certain way that it was able to like, I feel like every creative endeavor is its own organism, right? And the more that we step into that organism's guidance path, the more that we're like, it's kind of like you're squashing it. It can't breathe. It can't grow. It can't thrive because you're over here, like smothering it with all of your controlism and your perfectionism Mm -hmm. and your, all of that stuff. So the more that you can just let it go, 
the more that, that, that it can just flourish. Yeah. So true. I feel that. Preach very much. Um, hundred. Hundred. Hundred, yes. <laughs> How can our audience connect with you? Yes. Tell so, us all the things. All the mm-hmm. things. So I'm over on Instagram stories, more specifically. Um, I don't really post on Instagram feed very much. It was interesting. I did like a, a test last year by myself. I was like, I'm just going to stop posting on my feed and just start showing up on stories every day and see what happens. Thank and you. My <laughs> engagement rate actually went up. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because I was con- I consistently show up on stories every Same. single day. I don't really give a crap about my feed because that's not where my girl is. She's on stories. She's not really, I mean, Good she one. may scroll through, but so um, Instagram stories all day or a day. And then um, the influencer podcast, of course, every Monday, every other Monday, every Wednesday. And then juliesolomon.net. And that's where you can find a ton of free resources. And then of course, the programs that we have can be found there, Pitch It Perfect and the Influencer Academy. Perfect. So good. Love their pod. It's yeah, so truly. good. And your website is fire. Such Thank a great you. resource. Honestly. Thank For you. anyone. Yeah. You don't just have to be a blogger. I think Agreed. it's really, really useful. Thank you so much All right, for guys, being here. All right, guys. Keep it 100. <laughs> 100. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Julie, for joining us. You can find Julie at juliesolomon.net, S-O-L-O-M-O-N.net. And please listen to her influencer podcast. It's so, so dope. We also love her Pitch It Perfect course and the Influencer Academy is just incredible and super comprehensive. So check that out, juliesolomon.net. And please join us for our event with Julie in Nashville on September 18th. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you guys on tour. We have so many events that we just get you know, so much from seeing you guys connect with us and connect with one another and just be a part of a community and, you know, share in an amazing energy. So thank you so much for joining us on tour. You can get tickets on almost30podcast.com slash events. Uh, And thank you for your reviews. Truly, it means a lot to us and we take them to heart and read every one of them. This one is a five-star review truly empowering. Krista and Lindsay have started a movement bringing women together around the world that is truly amazing. They are so genuine, funny, and a blast to listen to. Krista and Lindsay and their guests either say exactly what I'm thinking in a way I've never been able to express it or open my eyes to something new and interesting. There's no such thing as a bad episode of Almost 30. Thanks, ladies. Much love. That's from Slove. Thank you so much. Thanks, that honey. Means a lot. That means a lot. Thank you guys so much for taking any time that you do to DM us or message us or anything like that. We really appreciate it. It's super kind and we love we love all of you so thank you so much we will see you on the next one i hope you have an amazing day see ya love ya